0: Welcome back, beautiful souls, to our 31st episode of Spirituality with Kayun. It's typhoon season now and the rain has been pouring relentlessly these days. From intense level 10 typhoons to heavy black rainstorms, I find myself spending more and more time at home, curling up with a book on my couch or taking naps in the middle of the day. Don't you agree that rainy days possess a unique charm and can even be comforting in some ways? There's this calming ambience that the rain brings, the coolness in the air, the fresh scent of wet grass, and the gentle sound of raindrops, or even a downpour in my case. I perceive rain as purification for Mother Earth and for all of us. It's like a shower for the soul. Rainy days often inspire me to reflect and contemplate. I love having the opportunity to slow down, make myself a cup of hot latte, reconnect with loved ones, write in my journal, or record an episode for my podcast. I wholeheartedly agree with the saying that it's not about waiting for the storm to pass, but learning to dance in the rain. However, I must confess that I wasn't always like this. When I was younger, I didn't know how to embrace changes nor see things from a more positive perspective. For example, the cancellation of plans due to the weather would frustrate me. I used to have little patience and a low tolerance for various things and people. During my time working as an accountant on East 42nd Street in New York City, where I spent all my days meticulously balancing numbers, I often found myself in an irritable state due to the repetitive nature of my work. The more I worked, the more I hated reconciling trades, calculating net asset values, repairing financial reports, such and such, and the more I didn't know what I was doing, the more I felt lost in life. While sitting at my cubicle, I would catch myself rolling my eyes, sucking my teeth, sighing audibly, and sometimes responding to my co-workers in a sarcastic tone. Back home in Queens, New York, where I grew up, I frequently found myself getting annoyed, particularly with my close ones. Friends, family, and of course, my mom, she would constantly nag me, bug me, and repeat questions like, are you hungry? Have you eaten all the time? I had absolutely no time or patience for that sort of thing. However, I later came to realize that this was a common way for Chinese people to greet one another or show care and affection. Instead of expressing love through words like, I love you, dear, or I miss you, dear, my Asian mom would demonstrate love through actions like preparing meals, sharing food during dinner, and making sure my belly is always full. Even these days, whenever I visit home, I would put on a few pounds after each visit. But whenever I was irritated back then, my response were usually rude. Isn't it ironic how we take our loved ones for granted and treat them even worse than we would treat our guests or acquaintances sometimes? Interestingly, I later learned from Thich Nhat Hanh, who was the father of mindfulness, that we can treat our loved ones with the same care, kindness, and respect that we show to our guests. By practicing this, we cultivate an attitude of appreciation, gratitude for their presence, and we improve our relationships with them. Absent-mindedness is probably the word I would use to describe my former self. I was prone to distraction and frequently found myself daydreaming all the time. Rather than living fully in the present moment, I often dwelled on the past or anxiously ponder about the future. In moments of frustration, criticism, or stress, I would impulsively and emotionally react to situations without considering the consequences. I always regretted my actions and words that I expressed in anger and wished that I had approached things differently after returning to a calmer state. However, this was all before I discovered the practice of mindfulness. I can vividly recall those days when I started delving deeper into yoga and spirituality. During my breaks and free time, I would often find myself lounging around bookshops, sipping on overpriced lattes one after another at their cafes, rather than spending my paycheck at Bloomingdale's or cute little boutiques in Soho. One day, while browsing through the shelves of Barnes & Noble's in Union Square, one of the few bookstores that hasn't closed down despite the trend of ebooks, I stumbled upon the mindfulness section, which was right next to the self-help and personal development shelves that I usually browse through. This book on mindful communication caught my eye. Although my journey into yoga had naturally inclined me to let go more and not sweat the small stuff, I was hoping to improve my relationships and release my attachments to negative emotions such as anger, jealousy, hatred, envy, or annoyance. I began flipping through a few mindfulness books and discovered that this beautiful concept was originally passed down from the Buddha. It was taught as a means to develop awareness, insight, and liberation from suffering. Over time, mindfulness spread to other parts of Asia where it became integrated into various spiritual and philosophical traditions. But it wasn't until the 20th century that mindfulness captured the attention of the Western world, largely due to the efforts of individuals like John Kabat-Zinn, who developed the mindfulness-based stress reduction program, and Thich Nhat Hanh, a Zen Buddhist monk who found Plum Village, which is a mindfulness sanctuary in France. People from all over the world would visit this place to seek peace, solace, or just to have some time away from the hustle and bustle of stressful city living. Nowadays, mindfulness has been extensively researched and has found its way into psychology, healthcare, education, and corporate settings as a means to enhance well being, reduce stress, and promote self awareness. Mindfulness is recognized as a valuable practice for cultivating present-moment non-judgmental awareness of our thoughts, emotions, and sensations. I like to describe it as a precious gem that holds the key to unlocking the treasures of this present moment. No longer confined to ancient traditions, mindfulness has become a widely used term And there are practices like mindful eating, mindful walking, mindful breathing, mindful dating, mindful parenting, mindful living, and so on. Mindfulness has evolved and gracefully woven itself into our everyday modern life, like a guiding light that helps us deepen our connection with ourselves and the world. I often practice mindfulness through focusing on the breath or bodily sensations. With this technique, I no longer try to eliminate or suppress my thoughts and emotions, but rather I develop a balanced relationship with them. This is how mindfulness changed my habit from reacting to responding. Rather than reacting impulsively all the time when something didn't go my way, I learned to respond mindfully. I used to always feel overwhelmed and drained after reacting emotionally. However, with mindfulness, I learned to pause and breathe whenever I get triggered. Instead of experiencing a cascade of negative emotions, I consciously observe as they come without identifying with them and just letting them pass. With practice, patience became my friend. I learned to grow through life with a greater sense of inner peace and understanding. Mindfulness has gifted me the tools to cultivate a more compassionate version of myself. My teacher would always remind me that through patience, we can control our anger. We can control our irritability. We can control our annoyance. Patience develops willpower. If we have patience, all other virtues will cling to us and that's why patience is a virtue. Before moving into the ashram to serve in Thailand, I spent time volunteering at a monastery teaching young monks English. Honestly, I felt I learned way more from them than they did from me. In the beginning, I was filled with curiosity for Buddhist culture and their way of life. Upon arrival at the monastery, I embraced the simplicity of their lifestyle which encourage mindfulness in every action observing the young monks dedication to their spiritual path and seeing all these teachings in practice as opposed to just reading about it inspire me to deepen my knowledge and practice in mindfulness and meditation i went on to take my very first 2 weeks vipassana meditation course in chiang mai a beautiful and sacred city with the most temples in thailand Perhaps I can share my experience in another episode. Upon returning to the city with mindfulness as my anchor, I have been able to live with more ease with myself and others as well. The city is actually the place where the practice is most needed. I remember on the last day of the meditation course, the teacher said, now the practice begins. I often tell my students that engaging in the practice becomes less challenging when you're alone inside a cave or at home, or if you're at the ashram or monastery, where everyone else is also dedicated to this path. There are simply fewer triggers. And through mindfulness, I have learned to slow down, to be more present, and to appreciate the experiences that often go unnoticed. Amidst the distractions of the material world, the vibrant colors of the city appear more vivid to me and I'm able to navigate life with greater contentment and well-being. I'm holding a mindfulness intensive training next month and the other day a student came up to me and asked me, what's the difference between mindfulness and meditation? When I first dove into mindfulness, it wasn't really clear to me either. Oftentimes, these two terms are used interchangeably because of the related practices. So while I take time out of my day every morning and evening to practice meditation, mindfulness is a state that I try to be engaged in throughout the entire day, whether it's cooking, cleaning, walking, eating, chatting with my friends, practicing yoga, and just about everything. By cultivating mindfulness, I develop a sincere space within me where I can recharge and regain balance amidst the chaos in this concrete jungle. As I wrap up today's episode, I'd like to invite you to take a few moments to pause, breathe, and bring your awareness to the present moment. Remember, mindfulness is not a destination. It's a lifelong practice where the magic of the present moment unfolds with each and every breath. Thank you all for listening to Spirituality with Kyun. I hope you found this episode helpful. If you have any feedback, feel free to connect with me on Instagram at Kyun underscore and would love to hear from you. Please be sure to subscribe to and leave a review or rating if you found this podcast informative and inspiring. The lights within me bow to so the divine lights within you. Namaste everyone.